Hey there, Above the Cloud listeners. Welcome to Above the Cloud, of course. I'm Charles Laughlin. I'm your host, and I'm Senior Analyst at the LSA. So today we have Eric Hadley, who's EVP of Marketing at iHeartMedia, and we're pretty excited to have him on today. We talk about audio, not radio specifically, because iHeart really, it's an audio company more so than it's a radio company, and I think that's sort of the gist of what we talk about. And at the heart of what's new in audio is really podcasting. And podcasting is driving growth at iHeart. Looking at their last quarterly numbers, their audience growth was something like almost 300% year on year. When they filed for their IPO earlier this year, they reported 148 million monthly downloads of their podcasts. They acquired Stuff Media last year, you know, the How Stuff Works people to really bolster their talent pool and their podcast library. So they're really, really into podcasting now. So Eric and I really talk about that a lot because he's excited about it. I'm excited about it. We kind of get into the business model of podcasting. And what's also interesting is how integrated everything is in iHeart. Podcasting, radio, events, and it's all integrated and it's all supporting each other in terms of audience building and, and driving value for advertisers. So let's let Eric explain the rest. We'll uh, see Eric also at the Place Conference coming up October 15th and 16th in Austin, Texas. We certainly hope you plan on being there. That's it. Let's get into the podcast. Thanks. You know, as people's habits are changing, you know, how is iHeart changing? You know, streaming, podcasts, et cetera, younger people consuming audio content differently. How does that change change your company? And do you even call yourselves a radio company? Uh, we are definitely iHeart Radio. It's uh, the name of our company. But we I know really that, but you can yourselves that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we call ourselves. But if you really think about it, we're, you know, the number one audio company. Nine out of 10 right. Americans listen to the radio every day. We're the number one podcast company. Um, we acquired Stuff Media to get into the podcast business. So we really think of ourselves as all things audio. And, you know, it's that companion for listeners, no matter where you are. You're in the car in traffic, you're at home, and you wake up and you tell your smart speaker to play Z100, or you get on the subway and you listen to your favorite podcast. Mm -hmm. We really think we're all things audio. And that's what we want to give to marketers. That's what we want to give to brands is that power of audio across all the platforms we have. Let's kind of geek out on the business model of podcasting a little bit. How is it better and how is it worse than the radio model? Kind of help us understand the business. I mean, is, is it just simply audience equals advertising equals money? Or is there some um, characteristics to the podcasting business model that are interesting? The, the podcast business model is really exciting right now. It's really new. So there's a lot of opportunities for marketers. But I think the things that a couple of things you get exciting about it is, you know, nearly 90% of all podcast listeners listen to the full podcast. That means they listen to all the ads. There's no ad skipping, whatnot. So you have this opportunity for the, the user, the marketer to get the message across to the user. There's usually a very light ad load. You know, there's three to four ads baked into the podcast. Mm -hmm. Most often the, the advertising within the podcast is read by one of the members of the podcast broadcasting team. So it feels really natural. It feels like a brand integration, which right. is really exciting. You think of, you know, the world we live in today on um, the digital side of it, you know, you can skip the ads, you can ignore the ads. 
and there's a lot of bots. Where if you get into the podcasting world, 30 plus percent of Americans listen to a podcast every month, and the majority of them hear all the ads all the way through. And then you have this effective thing where it's a brand integration where the, the podcast host is reading the ad in a very natural way that fits into the context of the of the podcast you're listening to. So if it's a drama, it's drama. If it's yeah. a suspense, if it's news related, it's, it's really contextually relevant to that podcast. And that's what's exciting about it for marketers. And you usually have a you know very light ad load and a very high share of voice when you get in there. I find it interesting that there's no skipping. Why do you think that is that just people are, is it because they're leaning back? You know, well, with- I, I think there's lots of reasons. You're, you know, you're kind of leaning back and you know, there's typically uh, four ads across the load. Mm-hmm. So when you're listening to it, one plays and you get right back into it. There's not enough to feel like you have to skip it. You don't have to feel skip. And when it's read by the host or read by someone who's in the right. podcast, it feels really natural and it's right. not a jarring experience. So you can just listen to it and get right back into it. And I think that's why it's, uh, you know, there's no skipping and or very limited skipping. It's just contextually relevant and you kind of just roll right into it. You're super engaged. You're listening to it. The ad comes on and you move right back into the storyline. And, you know, very often it's the same, always the same tone that the message is being read. In. You know, we launched a great one, the Ron Burgundy podcast, and we had a couple of marketers. <laughs> I got to listen Ron to this. Burgundy. <laughs> yeah, you got to check out Ron Burgundy. They're like, can you imagine you're Charmin and you're fair and Ron Burgundy is reading your ad? I mean, that's really, really exciting and engaging. And, you know, it's quite funny. Like the Charmin ad that Ron Burgundy did around Halloween was how you show up in a Halloween costume made of Charmin products. Like it's funny. It's contextually relevant to the show. And like, you're not going to skip it because it's funny and interesting and fun. What I've noticed Two things I've noticed uh, that actually does mirror my behavior as a consumer of podcasts is that I never skip the ads. I just let it roll. Um, And they know they don't feel particularly uh, like ads. So to your point, I I would validate as a podcast consumer, I would validate that point. Um, Good. Working. (laughs) Yeah. Audience of one right here. Uh, The other point is that when you sort of talk about, you know, Ron Burgundy reading the Charmin ad, I'm laughing, not even having heard it, because I can just know that's going to be funny. But it also uh, gets to another observation I've had, which is the brands need to have a little bit of trust and a little bit of a thick skin, maybe, with podcasts, because sometimes the hosts, you know, take some liberties with the material based on their own personal brand. I think of Bill Burr for an, for an example, you know, he's got a very popular podcast and he just butchers the ads, but it's Bill Burr doing it, you know, as yeah. a famous comedian. So I think it's worth, you know, the brand risk. But is brand risk yeah, an issue like in, with podcast at all? No, brand risk is not really an issue. I think about the world of marketers today, they're going to find the most relevant um, podcast like they would anything else. You're going to, you have brand risk of where your digital display ads show up and you making sure that you're not advertising on an ad network that supports things that you don't want your brand associated with. So it's that same thing that marketers have to think about all the time of just what's the trade-off, what's the brand risk. You know, if I have a great host reading it, Ron Burgundy may be a little bit funnier, but if you're not a funny brand who wants to connect to the Ron Burgundy audience, it's probably not the right spot. So, you know, iHeart being the number one podcast network, we have a podcast for every brand, no matter what they want. And we have the ability, if, if in our entire library, there's not something right, we can go make a custom podcast for the brand like we did for 23andMe. We made one called Spit. was all about, you know, culture and genetics and all those kind of things. And, you know, I'm sure we had something in our library that was great for them, but they were really excited about owning a podcast and making one and telling their story. So how do like those work? I think of that, that's like out. an old sort of uh, uh, 
custom public like the old days of magazines when you do a custom published magazine that back in the sort of the print days how do how do those perform that they sort of the fully sponsored podcast i mean obviously it's a matter of the quality i assume but uh as as a rule i mean how does that perform versus being on a uh, established podcast as a sponsor you know it performed really well for them they went back into season two and mm -hmm. reached the top 10 on the apple charts uh, again, it was really relevant. You know, it yeah. was that balance of they had a story they wanted to tell. They came to the iHeart Podcast Network and built one. Like, how do we build a podcast that's interesting and engaging and tells our story in a way that customers want? And we were able to build that out for them and tell that story for them with them. Right. And the other thing I sense about podcasts is it's sort of like music. There's not necessarily a finite nature to it. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's no there's no limit to the number of songs you can produce. There's always a, an audience for a, a different niche or a different genre. And is that sort of true of podcasts? Because because one could look at this and say, oh God, this has got to be a bubble. There has to be too many of these. There's only so many listening. You know, uh, there's only so much capacity for people to consume them. Uh, but is that the, I feel like that's the wrong way to look at podcasts because it's so niche and so specialized. I think that's the beauty of podcasts. You know, it's that whole the long tail. There's going to be some podcasts that everybody listens to. The sure. number one on iHeart, the number one on Apple, and there's going to be a really long tail of podcasts that are really interesting to you and me and four other people. Right. So I, I think that's a really exciting time that you can make podcasts about anything. You can find an audience for it. And the power that iHeart brings, which is really exciting, I think why we're in the business and we're excited about it. If you look at the pod track ranker of the number top two podcast companies, mm -hmm. it's iHeart and NPR. You know, so <laughs> iHeart's the number one commercial podcast, but the power of that is when you can put the podcast on the broadcast, you can promote the podcast on the broadcast radio to the relevant audiences, you can drive a really big audience. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really exciting thing. If we can get an audience for lots and lots of podcasts because we have the power of our radio network. Mm -hmm. We can find the radio shows. We can find the markets. We can find those things and drive the audience. And we, we just started doing Sunday night podcasts where we put our podcast you know, a full episode on the radio on Sunday night mm -hmm. and get people who wouldn't have been exposed to it if it was on, you know, the iHeart podcast app, put it on the radio and you have a whole new audience that's getting exposed to that. And that's what's driving huge, huge audiences into these podcasts because we have the power of broadcast. So right. uh, I have noticed, yeah, yeah, I've noticed a lot of, um, you know, uh, was it on NPR, the daily New York Times Daily is actually broadcast on NPR, but it's a podcast as well. So that seems to be a yeah. much common practice is the sort of repurposing of, or, or not so much even repurposing, but you know, pushing podcasts through broadcast channels or taking broadcast content and turning it into podcasts. It's just a and way. it goes both ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what's so interesting is it goes both ways. We can take a podcast and put it onto the radio. We can promote a podcast on the radio, and then on the same time, we can go and take a radio personality and put them onto a podcast. So we have a bunch of our podcast or our radio hosts who do podcasts now. Right. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that as well. Most journalists have a podcast. Most, uh, you know, radio person, most personalities of any sort, really, it seems like have a podcast now. What makes a good podcast? What makes a good podcast is a really engaging host, something they're passionate about and you know, has a, a relevant audience that's passionate about it as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you find that we have uh, Disgraceland with Jake Brennan. It's like this rock and roll history meets 
kind of crime. So Jake <laughs> Brennan tells these amazing stories of, of rock and roll history and crime related to it. We brought him on to the, he had a couple hundred thousand listeners. We brought him onto the podcast, the iHeart Podcast Network. And he had a couple million because the, pod, the iHeart Network has people who are really interested in music and pop culture and that. So, mm-hmm. Jake did a, a conversation a podcast preview at our office last week, and he came in and did this great live podcast and told the story of how the Hell's Angels wanted to kill Mick Jagger after <laughs> there was a, a deal gone south. And it's like, it's was fascinating. It like he tells it. The Altamont huh? thing? Yeah. I think that yeah, was after the I'd already always heard the Altamont thing where the person died, but I'd never heard the story where the Rolling Stones stiffed the Hell's Angels on the payment, so the Hell's Angels went to kill Mick Jagger and Montauk in a boat. Like Jake tells <laughs> no, the story. Like, it's story. a really interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, go listen to it, but Jake tells the story, but he doesn't just tell it like he's a news reporter. He tells it like he's passionate and acting and out and, you know, there's sound the effects and all this great yeah. stuff. Like that's what you can do. It's like this amplified storytelling. And, I think the difference when you think of a podcast versus a, a visual thing is you put the pictures in your mind. Like when I hear the story of the Hell's Angels in a boat going to Montauk in a storm to kill Mick Jagger, I have a very different image of what that is than you would, but it's very personal to both of us, right? So it allows you to kind of play along and tell the visual story in your mind. Yep. And that's what a great podcast does. It lets you kind of be absorbed into the story and play along and, you know, make it personal to you. So, so talk about Stuff Media, uh, that acquisition, and, and how it changed your your podcasting platform, your strategy, et cetera. We're always looking for you know great acquisitions in the audio space to build out our portfolio and create more opportunities for our consumers to listen and create more opportunities for marketers. And when you look around that space, there was just nobody better than those guys. They had the biggest library. They'd been doing it for a long time. They had the number one podcast how stuff works. And, you know, just through the discussions, it was just a really good fit as far as the team was really good fit as far as the library they had. It was a really good fit as far as the production. And you know, the greatest thing about Connell and the team is they're just really, really open to working with marketers and they want this podcast business and podcast experience to be great. Like you can't have a overly marketer driven podcast because no one will listen to it. You can't have a overly consumer driven podcast because it somehow you need to make money, get the the people paid to make it great. And that team really got it and ingrained themselves in there. And they were really excited about this idea of podcast to broadcast and broadcast to podcast. So it's been an amazing fit. I mean, we sort of established a few minutes ago that there's a very long tail to podcasts but is there a any sort of market forces that are driving a need for consolidation of platforms that are producing them? Or is it going to be, or is it going to be a very dif, uh, distributed environment for a long time? It'll be a distributed environment for a long time. You know, there'll be the big guys and the smaller guys and people who experiment with experiment with the different models as far as a subscription or is it free? Mm-hmm. I think if you just kind of look at the world of who can make, who can fund and make great podcasts across the breadth of genres and categories and, uh, and who can promote them. And I think those those are the things that are going to be really important because the more you can promote them, the more audience you get, the more money you make off of it from the partners, mm-hmm. the more you can put back into greater production. So I think right. you will always have the long tail of the niche ones, but there's going to be some really great production up front. And 
we've seen, you know, like the Ron Burgundy is a perfect example. More and more of the Hollywood players are looking into the podcast space and they want a platform that's going to get them a big audience and find them the big audience and really allow them to tell their story the way that they've been doing that through other Hollywood channels. So when you start to look at it, the bigger players are really going to get the best talent and tell the best stories in podcasting and get the best marketing partners right, behind right. them, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. It's like uh, back to Will Ferrell, I think. Uh, used to be, I think, a comedian felt they needed a, a sitcom and probably now they feel they need a podcast. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's great. And I, that's the great thing about the podcast, too, and we touched on earlier, but, you know, so much of the marketing experience has gotten so cluttered and you know you have the bots and the ad skipping and the fake news and mm -hmm. i think with the podcast we have this really great opportunity to keep it in this way that it's a good balance for the end user and a good balance for the marketer and get it to place where people aren't skipping the ads they value the ad because it's told in a way that they appreciate and that's what i think the really cool opportunity is right now hey we're going to take a quick pause from this conversation with eric to talk to you about our upcoming place conference you know, the worlds of media and data are converging like never before. Company roles within the marketplace are blurring and success requires partnerships and collaboration to unlock customer channels and new opportunities. So if you join us October 15th and 16th in Austin, Texas, at Facebook's offices there, I hear they're pretty cool, we're going to figure all this out. So we talked to Dan Height recently, who's uh, the chairperson for this event, and we had a great conversation, and we asked Dan to share just a quick take on why someone should go to place, and here's what he had to say. This is a great event for brands, local agencies, um, SaaS companies or media companies that are focused on the local space to get an understanding of what is working, what is not, hear real case studies, not you know sales pitches, and hopefully broaden a perspective of different things that sh people should be thinking about. Um, everything from different ways that companies have transformed to some of the real world challenges they've had or experiencing from you know data and privacy issues that are coming up and how to be thinking and planning on those things. So I think it's gonna be a great venue to broaden people's horizons, network with some great people, and maybe learn a thing or two. If you'd like more information on how to attend Locology Place 19, it's real simple. Just go to locology.com slash place. See you in Austin. Back to sort of iHeart more broadly, you know, I was just sort of looking at the last uh, financials and you, you know, broadcast is still the bulk of your revenue, but podcast is the sort of biggest source of growth. Is that oversimplifying it or is it a fair statement? Yeah, you know, I'm not in the position to talk about the financials, but I think that, you know, like we talked about, they're a really great compliment. Mm -hmm. Being the number one audio player, the number one podcast player, and having 850 radio stations across the country with you know nine out of ten Americans listening to it, we mm -hmm. have a really good opportunity to balance the what is the terrestrial AMFM radio and what is podcast and what is uh, run on the app and what's run on smart speakers. So mm -hmm. I think we really have all the bases covered as far as getting a huge audience to listen and a huge opportunity for marketers to part, take part in it. How much of this is sort of uh aggregated across all of your platforms, the, the, your, the sale of advertising. Being the largest audio player, we have the biggest opportunity for marketers anywhere. So, you know, we can have marketers who come in and buy national radio and buy radio in certain spots and buy podcasts that can be partners in our live events. We're like We really feel like we have the platform that allows a lot of flexibility to drive results okay. for marketers because we have such a huge audience. So how do you guys look at events in terms of what, what, what does it bring to your business? What is it? you strategically. 
Yeah, it's a great question, man. We do so many events. I think we do maybe a little over 20,000 events oh, a year. And the biggest one we do is the Jingle Ball, which goes out you know, to a bunch of major cities. Mm-hmm. And it allows us to take the great talent that we have on the radio, we break their songs on the radio, and bring it to a live experience. So, you know, between New York and L.A. and Miami and all the great cities, we have Jingle Ball. We have the Alt Festival in Los Angeles. We have Festa Latina in Miami. We have Country. We have Wango Tango. So we have all these events. So day in and day out, people are listening to the radio, you know, uh, hearing the great music. And uh, you really need to have radio play to have a number one hit so we can take all those great artists and bring them to our fans and let them see them live. You know, we can promote the concerts and promote the events on the radio, promote them on the podcast, bring the customers there. And then we can bring the marketing partners through. So you advertise on the radio, you advertise in a podcast, you can advertise in the venue, you can you know, set up pop-ups and experiences for customers, for brands in the venue. So it really gives you that opportunity to hear it on the radio, go experience it live, all those great things. So it's a really great compliment all around entertainment. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that we talk a lot about is if you think about radio, it's really about companionship. You look at Elvis Duran, plays three or four songs a morning, but you wake up with him. He tells you stories. He tells you the news. You hear the traffic on it. He tells you shows that he likes to hear. And then you go to the Jingle Ball in uh, New York and Elvis is hosting this there. So it's this great experience where he almost becomes a social media influencer, a social media person, because you're such a good friend with him and you follow what he does. And then there he is live. So it Mm -hmm. kind of brings all the assets we have here together. Kind of back back to the beginning, which is um, sort of terrestrial radio. Five years, how... How important will that be? What are, what are the sort of behavior patterns telling you about terrestrial radio's future? We think a lot about it because you know it's core to our business. And if you look sure. over time, in the in the late seventies, early eighties, radio listening was you know in the ninety percent. In two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen, radio listening is in the ninety percent. So this is something that we believe is going to continue. Um, you know, there's lots of different places to hear music and record collections, but if you think about what radio is, like I keep on the Elvis Duran thing, yeah. it's this idea of companionship. They're getting information, you're getting songs recommended to you by professionals, you're getting uh, lots of local information about the community you live in. So it's a really core asset. And you start to think about, you know, the amount of time that an American spends in their car, you know, mm-hmm. increasing. I think it's up like almost 30% since 2003. Um, so people are spending more and more time in their car is a good one. You know, 85% of Americans commute in their car. So getting that kind of information and, you know, hearing from that companion who's in the front seat with you, getting local stuff is going to be really important. You just can't replace that. And, you know, you, there will be people who listen to music collections and listen to music, but it's a very different experience. So mm-hmm. I think that radio will last a long time. I think we're going to see lots of evolution. You know, you look at the smart speaker. Now it's, you know, every household seems to have two or three in their house. The number one thing for it is radio. You wake up in the morning, you tell it to turn on your local radio station because you want to hear local news, you want to hear music, you want to hear what the weather's going to be like in your community. So mm-hmm. it's really a huge aggregation of lots and lots of other things. I think people have the novelty of they get it and they do all the crazy things you can yeah, do. And then day to day, you know, that long tail experience is tell me what time it is, tell me what the weather is, and play Z100. Don't play Ryan Seacrest. Like they're asking for the fans they want or the, the influencers and hosts they want. So 
yeah. we believe, and you know, I've only been the company a little under a year now, but I believe there's a huge opportunity for radio just because it's a great experience for end users. It's a great way to break new music. It's a great way to really get in touch with the local community. And it's a highly regulated space. You, you don't have the bots. You don't have the fake news. You don't have the ad fraud. Um, and you have it's Good really, point. really relevant. If you think about somebody in their car driving and they're thinking about where they're going to eat tonight or they're thinking about what they're going to do for back to school shopping or they think what they're going to do for holiday shopping or they're making plans for the weekend, the radio is just really, really timely and relevant and local. Thanks a lot for your time. Awesome. Appreciate it. See you in a Thank you. I'll see you in a couple of weeks in Texas. Sounds great. Take care. Thanks. Well, that's it. Thanks for joining us today. That was an interesting conversation. Eric wasn't super interested in getting into sort of the nitty gritties of uh, iHeart's financials. So uh, we didn't really go there too much. The company, as I didn't mention in the intro, went through a bankruptcy and an IPO all sort of within the span of a year, which is kind of unusual. But the company is clearly on a more solid footing now to invest in the future and sort of develop the audio business, uh, what it's going to look like in a few years time, which is probably a lot different than what it looks like now, though I think all the pieces are in place for what the business will be, which is audio sort of both over the air and sort of time shifted things like pop podcasting and streaming. That's kind of where the business is going. And iHeart seems to be pretty well positioned to uh, succeed in that. They certainly have the scale. So we hope to see you in Austin. And I guess that's it for today. So please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on iTunes, any pretty much any app you use to uh, get your podcasts. And then if you have a chance, also rate us. We really appreciate your feedback. So anyway, see you next time. Thanks.